Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chang. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Tis the season for old fashions, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la, pour me another great Manhattan fa <laughs> Hey, folks, it's December. We made it. Uh, this is month 12 of uh, the calendar year, and we're uh, jumping into a wonderful time of giving, sharing, giving thanks, and celebrating uh, humanity and family and hopefully um, good food and great beverages. Hey, folks, Christopher Chan, your host of Happy Hour Radio. Welcome back. Hope you're having a great Saturday night. I'm sure you're on your way to a holiday party or something festive. And remember, you should have a designated driver. Uh, that way, uh, the rest of the group can party hardy. And when it comes to partying, of course, uh, we do in moderate. I know it's easy to uh, um, extend that uh, belt loop, so to speak, and, um, and indulge a little more in about uh, the uh, the great uh, meals and hors d'oeuvres. And, of course, I love all the desserts. Forgive me, but pecan pie is my number one. And, you know, something that reminds me of pecan pie is, um, is bourbon. And bourbon uh, has a lot of pecan notes, if you will, and it's toasted vanilla. And when you're thinking about making Manhattans, a lot of times we don't have all the ingredients and we want something really easy. And uh, I just happen to have uh, a gentleman by the name of Christian Pepe, and he is um, a mixologist, and he's crafted something which is truly unique. And it's about time we had something. I know many people have done cocktails in a can, etc. And those are always like 5% alcohol or 7 But I want some serious cocktails. When, I, when I'm having a, a, a libation to enjoy and relax and celebrate, I want something with a little more proof of the holidays. And uh, Christian Pepe's here. He's got something called the Barrel Finished Cocktails. Doc Pepe's Lab. Hey, Christian. Welcome to Happy Hour. Hey, thanks, Christopher. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Happy Saturday night. Happy December. Tis the season. And did you like that opening? I just kind of made that up on the fly. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. It was very good. I like it. Right on. Well, uh, give me a little history about you and your father, uh, Rich. So my family um, background, uh, my father's from New Jersey, moved out to California when he was 22, uh, eventually started a restaurant. It's an Italian restaurant. then we opened up another restaurant in 2011. That was going back to 1988. And now fast forward to 2011, we opened up a restaurant with a bar. And all of a sudden, we have a bar now. And the other one didn't have a bar. So we had to learn how to make drinks. And I kind of took it upon myself to, to learn about it. I was really interested in mixology and bartending um, at a young age of 22. <laughs> yeah. And, not uh, even younger I, than that? You waited till you were of, of age to actually carry on that, uh, that, that inspiration. Well, yeah, we didn't have a bar before. You know, we had restaurants, um, and I was—I worked as actually we have a bakery too, and I worked as a barista in the bakery starting at age eleven, and then by the time I got to be sixteen, I was working in the restaurant as a host and a buffer, and did that, and then all through you know summers in college, and then when I came home to work full time, I said I wanted to be a bartender because we had the new bar, and I quickly kind of fell in love with mixology and cocktailing, and then I discovered barrel-aged cocktails uh-huh. it was they were in they were really they really first didn't really pop onto the scene until about 2010 um i remember i had my first barrel-aged negroni and i was just on the floor i love negronis yeah and for I, sure I, it was just absolutely delicious and i was just amazed 
at the effect that the barrel had on the on the cocktail, and I never never occurred to me to, to put a mixture like that in a barrel. Um, so I decided to do a barrel program at our bar. Our restaurant's called Vesuvio. It's in downtown Carmel, California. Um, and we started out with a Negroni and a Manhattan. And then I decided to do an old-fashioned. And an old-fashioned was tricky because usually it's muddled. There's pieces of things floating around in there depending on how you make it. Cherry and orange, yeah. Um, cherry and orange. And so I had to figure out a way to get those flavors into the drink without there being any any floaties in there, anything floating or any pieces in there. Um, so I figured it out. Uh, it involves like infusions and uh, things like that. Uh, and then uh, sort of bottling it. And we had them kind of in these kind of generic bottles. They were behind the bar and they were selling. And I had this idea. What if we like created a, a package for it, like a brand, and picked out a cool glass bottle got some corks and designed a label for it and just put it up on the bar as like a mock brand for the house. And so we did that and we put them up on the shelf and the big, they were in the middle front and center on the shelf and people were really, really into it and they wanted to buy the bottles off the shelf. Wow. And of course we couldn't do that because we're a restaurant, you know, I'm not a liquor store. Um, and it's not a real, wasn't a real brand at that point. Um, so I took it around, I started showing it around and the interest was so high. I decided to, to, get a license and go for it and start making it and, you know, and, and start selling it for real. And so that's what I did. Uh, I got my license in 2014 and I started out with the old fashioned and the Manhattan as the two flagship products. Yeah. And I've been doing it ever since. Right on. And uh, how many iterations did it take for you to sort of find that perfect recipe? Uh, I know that uh, we all have different tastes. Did you have a tasting panel or was this basically, you know what, you're the mixologist. This is your, your product, your, your, your recipe. It, I mean, it started out as, yes, it's my recipe, you know, based on my palate and my knowledge of, of drinks that I've gained. Um, I have a pretty – I like a lot of things. I think I like – I like <laughs> to think that I understand what other people like as well, uh, having served so many customers at this point. Right, yeah. But it did take, it did, it did take a long time. It took, it took a while to get – it's just the old-fashioned. It took a while to get the, the, the recipe right. When you mix an old-fashioned behind the bar – you put a certain amount of sugar, but not all that sugar dissolves when you when you mix the drink. Sure. Um, when when you mix when you make a barrel aged cocktail, it all dissolves. So I learned kind of after a few trials that I need to add way less sugar than I normally would at, 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 for a bar ratio. Interesting. Did you uh, did you change temperatures to help sort of uh, meld the flavors more, or did you use simple syrup in a way, or what? How did that sugar get to be totally dissolved in a barrel? So uh, I, I make a simple syrup, but I don't heat it. All right. So when you this is getting kind of sciency, but when you, <laughs> when you heat when you heat when you heat simple syrup, it, the molecule actually changes into a, a different sugar molecule that actually ha- can be perceived as being sweeter, ah. and more viscous. Um, if you don't heat it, you, that doesn't happen. Um, and when, of course, when you're making it at a bar, uh, you, I like to use like cube sugar. And so you wouldn't you wouldn't have that happen. Sure, for an old fashioned, yeah. Simple syrup, yeah, exactly. So I didn't want that kind of syrupy um, taste. I didn't want it to be cloyingly sweet. And uh, yeah, so I just I I just mix the sugar in the water, um, and then just stir it up and let it kind of dissolve naturally, and then add it to the whiskey. And what's the typical time for resting in a barrel before you believe that the uh, cocktail is um, be is right at the right temp, or so to speak, or is, is uh, medium rare. <laughs> yeah, so I um, let's see. I use I use full size barrels now. I used to use small ones, 
In full-size barrels, you've got to go a little longer. For mine, it's minimum, minimum three months. But usually the, the, the sweet spot, I think, is right around six months. Okay, and your barrels are coming from where? Are these wine barrels, uh, whiskey barrels, uh, scotch barrels, sherry barrels? So each cocktail gets a different barrel finish. The kind of the flavors of the barrel match the flavors of the cocktail. So I have a I have a I have a barrel broker actually in Colorado um, that sources barrels, and I buy the barrels from them. The old fashioned is in a Caribbean rum barrel. The Manhattan is in a American port barrel. Interesting. Uh, have you tasted when, when you're getting a barrel? Obviously, they're they're dried out. You have to sort of rehydrate them to make sure that it doesn't leak. Um, to have the the wood expand. Did you find any flavors when you had? Did you ever taste the water that you used the to rehydrate the barrels? I use steam to rehydrate the barrel. Uh, okay, so that'd there's be there's not a whole lot of liquid that comes out the bottom. Um, and actually, I get the barrels. They're pretty. They're pretty fresh when I get them. Oh, so um, you can smell them. Yeah, I can. Oh, yeah, I can smell them. They smell great when I get them. Um, <laughs> this, this company I get them for does a really good job. Uh, if I if I don't have time to fill them right away, um, I will steam them and make sure they don't leak. But almost almost always they don't leak. Uh, but usually when I get them, they smell just delicious. And I buy bourbon barrels, port barrels, rum barrels. I have a cognac barrel. Wow. I have actual. I have tawny port barrels from Portugal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a couple of Maker's Mark bourbon barrels. Are those port pipes? Are those huge six hundred liter things or? They're they're like sixty gallons. Sixty they're gallons. A okay, bit, uh, like just a little larger than gallons. A, yeah, I get it. Yeah, they're kind of, they have a different shape too than a wine barrel. They're they have skinnier heads, smaller. Right, a little more oblong. Heads. But they're bulbous. They're very bulbous in the middle. They kind of yeah. They have a, a belly to them. Yep, I've uh, I've had a chance to visit Portugal and uh, also uh, Jerez, where you find sherry. And I'm speaking with uh, Christian yes. Pepe. Did I say that right? Is it Pepe or Pepe or? Yes. Excellent. Pepe. And you are the founder of Doc Pepe's Lab, which uh, has got a little Breaking Bad in it. <laughs> kinda, um, <laughs> and the Barrel Finished Cocktails, Cast Strength, which is really cool. Um, when you say Cast Strength, does that mean you used a higher proof of uh, alcohol to start? Did you use a 100-proof whiskey or bourbon? Or is it uh, just when you say just right out of the cask? Cast Strength, from, from in this case, means that it's it's just right out of the cask. It's not. I didn't use a higher-proof bourbon. I use 90 proof. Actually, when I get it, it's 120 proof. Oh, I bring okay. It down to 90. I see. I bring it down to 90 to make it to make. That's what you would normally have at a bar. I like 90 proof whiskey is kind of typical. Right. I think you know Maker's Mark or something. Um, but for me, I, I mix the cocktail all together, put it into the barrel as a cocktail, and bring it out. And then and then I don't water it down. That's uh, good. Like that's good cocktails. news for us. A lot of cock. Yes, a lot of cocktails that are ready to drink yeah. really mean chill, chill it and drink it. Right. And mine is really, you need to dilute it by pouring it over ice, <laughs> stirring it and stirring it and straining it with ice. So it's, it's a full-strength cocktail. It is. You know, I just, uh, I'm tasting the old-fashioned, which uh, I, I'm really impressed by, because the Manhattan, of course, is just three ingredients. And by the way, did you, for the Manhattan, make your own uh, vermouth, or do you have a, a special vermouth that you selected for those cocktails? I make my own vermouth. Cool. I was not able to. I couldn't find a source for bulk vermouth that tasted any good. <laughs> and all the craft, the craft vermouth producers, didn't want to sell me anything in bulk. Right. And so I, I ended up going. I went out and got a winery license. Really. And as well as my distillery license, and now I'm able to purchase. 
bulk wine and turn it into vermouth. Very cool. And it's actually it's actually kind of a cool story. I I wanted to model the vermouth flavor after Carpano Antica. There you go. Which is the original is vermouth for Manhattan. It's it's a Torino style vermouth. Yeah. It has a lot of vanilla. It's big and rich. So there's Meaning no the city of either. Turin, the town of in northern Italy. That's correct. <laughs> in the region of in the region of Piemonte. Piemonte. Uh, Piemonte. And uh there's no really good recipes for vermouth out there. There's a lot of mixologists that have have their little kind of home bar style recipe where you go buy a bottle of wine and add some sherry and some brandy and stuff like that. Right. I needed to be able to make it the kind of the real way. Um so I got this book. Uh, was a reprint on Amazon, written in Italian, like pre-1900. And luckily, I speak Italian, and I was able to kind of translate the main parts that were applicable to me. And I got I got made a list of all the different herbs. They listed traditional herbs from Piemonte in that time, um, and kind of, kind of some ratios of wine, sugar, caramel, alcohol, things like that. Cinchona. And I took it. Yes, and Shona Bark is in there. I took it took me about I don't know fifteen, sixteen tries, iterations with different herbs, different concentrations, different infusion times, and I finally, I really didn't think I was going to get it at one point, and then I finally, I nailed it, and it <laughs> tasted. I mean, it, you put it next to Carpano Antica, and they're like, that's the same style of vermouth. Cool. They're very similar. Very cool. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a break here in just a moment, but um, did you add vanilla to that particular? Because I find a lot of vanilla notes in uh, Antica. Yes, so Ver- Anti- Carpano Antica is technically a vermouth a la vanilla. Ah. So it's it ha- actually they don't, it doesn't even say it on the label, but that's actually a style of vermouth. Yeah, Ver- vermouth a la vanilla. So it has extra vanilla added to it. So well, I I put a little vanilla in mine. Too. And vanilla makes uh, everything taste better. Like like vanilla ice cream goes with almost everything, which is really fun. Yep. Um, I'm speaking with Christian Pepe, who is the founder of the Doc Pepe's Lab, the original since 2012, the barrel finished cocktail. And I'm sipping on the old-fashioned cocktail. Um, Christian, I want you to hang around a little bit because I want to talk more about some of your ideas and new recipes coming up. So stick around. Hey, folks, talking with, uh, well, we're having old fashions right here on Happy Hour Radio. Live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson, weekdays noon to 3, Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Have yourself a barrel finished cocktail. <laughs> I'm loving it. Tis the season. Hey, uh, folks, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round two. I've got uh, the founder of Doc Pepe's Lab, the barrel finished cocktails, is Christian Pepe. And we were chatting about uh, his uh, secret vermouth recipe that he had to make on his own. And I figure uh, necessity is the mother of invention. And Christian, you were talking about having a little vanilla in your particular vermouth, uh, the vermouth vanille. Um, let's talk about uh, uh, this old-fashioned. Um, obviously, the Manhattan is, is really tasty, very straightforward. Um, but the old-fashioned, how did you get the orange flavor in there? So it's, it's a, just an infusion of orange peels and the strong whiskey the full-strength whiskey that I get. Really? Do you have so to take the pith out, or do you have to sort of season or, or dry those peels or, or because you're looking for just the oils and, and um, less of the tannins? 
I, I don't use any pith at all. I use a, basically a potato peeler. Okay. I peel the fresh fresh oranges, so I don't dry them. Um, I want that fresh flavor, just like you get at a bar when a bartender peels a big fresh orange rind. Boom, puts it <laughs> in your drink. That's what I wanted. That's funny. Um, but yes, it, but it's it's just a straight orange infusion of peels. Interesting. There's no, there's no muddling. And of course, there are famous oranges like the Valencia orange is out out of uh, Spain. Uh, did you are you picking uh, California grown citrus or is this some special uh, variety? Well, when I can get the Valencia, that's the one I that's the one I want, and I can't get it all year round. Um, but that's that's the one I like. And if I can't get Valencia, it'll just be like California navel orange. Sure. Okay. Well, that's good you stuff. Get the job done. Well, you get Valencia the Valencia has a little more oil. <laughs> you get lo- lo- the locality going there. Um, and you say the the old fashioned is. Uh, do you add any other fruits to this, or I mean, is this a secret recipe, or can you share something? I can share. I can share a little bit. I can't give you the, the exact ratios. Sure. But there is the other the other kind of secret ingredient. Not so secret is. Tart Montmorency Cherry Concentrate from uh, Michigan. Really? And now that's, I don't know if you're familiar with Montmorency cherries, but yes. they're, very, they're bright red. Yep. They're very tart, and they're absolutely delicious. Um, and so I get this, this really, really good concentrate from Michigan, and I doctor it up, and I make this kind of, that's where I put the orange stuff, too. So I make this kind of cherry-orange mixture, and then that goes in the old-fashioned, as well as bitters. And the bitters now you're not making your own bitters, are you? I I know I do make my own bitters, but not for this product. <laughs> um, this, I use Angostura bitters. There you go. You got to go with the old Trinidad recipe. Um, yeah. So fun. Hey, let's get a website so people can uh, log on if they're at home and not driving. Okay, it's it's www.docpepeslab.com. So it's the name of the company. Dot com. com. Very cool. Now, you've yes. got the Manhattan. You've got the old-fashioned cocktail barrel uh, rested finished cocktails. Uh, what recipes do you have coming out, or did you have some new uh, extensions? Well, I have, I have uh, two other iterations of the old-fashioned in Manhattan. I call them the Reserve, the Cuvée Reserve. Hmm. So the originals are made with bourbon whiskey. The reserves are made with rye whiskey. And they're aged in kind of this cuvee style, where I don't empty the barrel all the way each time. Solera. So it's kind of like a kind of like a solera, like a single barrel solera almost. Um, exactly. So you get you get traces of each batch in each bottling. Um, and so it's been a few batches now, and it's 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 very rich. Uh, it's actually delicious. It actually got ninety five. The old fashioned reserve got ninety five points from Beverage Testing Institute. And then. Uh, I have a, a Negroni and a Boulevardier Ooh. that I released last year. Well, let's talk about the Boulevardier. Uh, what's uh, the special nuance to that particular uh, barrel finish cocktail? So the Boulevardier is made with rye whiskey. I chose rye. I made both versions, bourbon and rye, and I like the rye better. Um, and then, of course, the normal Boulevardier has a bitter liqueur like Campari. Right, and I was not, of course I'm not able to buy bulk Campari from the Campari company. If we could, so we would. Come. That's for sure. I tell you, I go through many yes. Negronis. <laughs> yes, yeah. If I could buy, if I could buy a drum or a tank of Campari, I would. But I'm not able to do that, so I had to make my own version of Campari, wow. as well as the vermouth. 
Wow. Did, I'm sure you're wearing an apron. I'm wondering how many different colors of, of stains you get with all these recipes. Uh, it's pretty oh, cool. Well, yeah. The, the coloring on that, yeah, the, the, the coloring agent is, is messy, for uh, sure. <laughs> let's talk about, so how many servings do you find in a particular uh, old fat, a bottle of the Doc Pepe's Lab barrel finished cocktails? So the old fashioned, if you have a seven seven hundred and fifty milliliter bottle, yeah, it's about ten drinks, right 10 on. cocktails. Cool. I think two and a half two and a half ounces is a, a proper pour for that because it's pretty strong. And then the Manhattan, you get eight drinks, uh, assuming a three ounce pour. Sure. That's a normal pour. Interesting. So you can shake those up and uh, pour them over ice or on and over or just uh, up with a, a martini shell. Um, it's really fun. And I like the fact that um, you can actually play a little more because you can add a little bit of, um, you know, you can play with different whiskeys, too, just to sort of have another dimension of complexity. Uh, but these are very flavorful, very smooth, and really well-balanced. Uh, I'm so super excited that you were able to do this. I'm a little bit envious. Because, you know, we always have these great ideas, but we never seem to have the time <laughs> to follow through. Um, so it's DocPepe'sLab.com. And what's a typical price for a bottle of these barrel-finished mm-hmm. cocktails? They are normally about $36, 36 to $40 a bottle, normally. Okay. And um, you have your website lists. You can order these. Uh, is there a, um, a Magnum or a, uh, what is it, um, 1.75 liter? Or are they all 750s? For the Manhattan and the Old Fashioned, there are 1.75 liter bottles. Wow. There are also 375 milliliter bottles, so half bottles. Fantastic. Those two, those two cocktails have all three of those sizes. And I'm coming out with a 200 milliliter size, too. <laughs> yeah, that would be for the games, right? And Or stocking stuffers. <laughs> Maybe a little late for that. Yep. Um, super yep. fun. And, you know, everything is, is barrel rested. How many barrels do you have in your warehouse right now? Probably got forty. Really? Wow! And and so your your winery and your but you're not you don't have a distillery. You said, do you? No, you just have a winery. No, it's a it's it's a distillery. It's a a, there's two licenses. There's a distillery and a winery. Wow! In one. Okay, so that's how you're making. What are you making? Well, those are all. I guess Campari would because that's a uh, a, a cordial or whatever we call it. Yes, not wine based. I distill gin. Oh, I make the gin for the Negroni. Interesting. And what are your aromatics that you use for that? Well, I can't tell you all of them. Okay. But, uh, there are, it's juniper berries from Italy and coriander. And um, I actually, the, let's see, uh, there's some interesting ones. Um, there's a, there's a, a botanical that grows wild where I live. And I go forge for it. Uh, it's called uh, it's California Bay Laurel. Okay, sure. Yeah, I'm familiar and, with that. It's, it basically, it's a bay leaf. It's a local. It's our kind of local California bay leaf. It's like bay leaf, but mintier. Interesting. And a little extra menthol component to it, uh, and it's delicious in gin. Um, but really high quality juniper. Uh, the base is an organic Italian wheat spirit. Um, just gets a, a single pass distillation just once. Retain all the flavors. Wow, and then and that's and it's it's a London Dry style for the Negroni. Okay, makes sense. And when you're, are you using a hanging basket? Are you macerating or are you uh, percolating? What's the method of of infusing the botanicals into the spirit? So it's it's macerated. Um, I'm building a gin basket. I haven't we haven't tested out the basket yet, 
eventually I'd like to do kind of some in the boiler and some in the basket. But for now, they're all in the boiler. Uh, they get macerated. They, they, they infuse for three days. Okay. And then, I, and then I heat it up very slowly on the last day and then fire up. Interesting. And so you're not, I mean, you've got the heads and tails, the hearts all figured out for that one pass, huh? Yes. Yes, because because the I'm starting with neutral spirits. They 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 don't because it's so neutral. There's the the, the heads and tails are very clear cut. I see. Sorry, got it. Yeah, makes sense. Basically, I mean, there, there are some there are still a few heads there, but I only have to throw out just a little bit, and I don't have to worry so much about the tails because I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it before the tails even arrive. Oh, I only want I only want the first part or the the first like two thirds of the hearts. Because after that, the botanicals, they start to get this kind of like spent tea flavor. Oh, right. I don't want that. So sure. I, I cut it off actually really early. Well, that's the secret, right? Uh, uh, it's better to drink a, moment, <laughs> a day before than a day after. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's prime. Uh, Christian Pepe, uh, congratulations. Uh, I admire your uh, innovative spirit, your entrepreneurial spirit, and I also admire the fact that um, you were in hospitality. You you know how to mixologist. You know how to what hospitality is all about: service and taking care of people. And you knew, you figured out what most people like. And I think that's that's rare that we have enough time with with working with the public that we can understand their their, their likes and dislikes. For the most part, everyone's unique. But uh, you have nailed it. And the old fashioned cocktail is really my favorite. I'll, I'll look for trying the uh, reserve. You said the reserve cuvee. Yes. Yes, it's a, it's a black label. <laughs> All right, black label. That's always meant something in uh, the world of spirits. Hey, it's DocPepe'sLab.com. You can get the barrel-finished cocktails, the old-fashioned, the Manhattan, and more. Uh, Christian Pepe, thanks so much for sharing this on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you, Christopher. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Thank My, you. I'm glad you like the products, too. Me, Thank too. You. I always love that. Hey, folks, stick around. we got lots more coming up right here on 570 KVI. America first and holding the powerful accountable. Sean Hannity, weekdays 6 to 9 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. I'm dreaming of some tasty cocktails. Hey, that's right. It's December. Welcome to uh, round three. I've got three fabulous spirits before me and one fantastic lady on the line. Steph Ridgeway is the ambassador of education for uh, uh, Pultini and the Spayburn Single Malt Scotch, as well as uh, Karoon, uh, Scottish gin. Uh, we're going to talk about some holiday cocktails and really what makes these uh, spirits so special. Steph Ridgeway, uh, welcome. Welcome to Happy Hour. Hey, you know what? Thank you so much, Christopher, for having me. And you know, I never say no to Happy Hour. <laughs> That's right. I just wish we had some food here because it's uh, having cocktails. And uh, we just had a great uh, uh, guest uh, from California who's made some barrel finished cocktails and uh, they, they put them in bottles. But um, I am a big fan of scotch. And there's always this question of whether single malt or blended is more complex. People talk about single malt. We always, because it's more expensive and it's typically 
typically aged longer, becomes a more valuable, uh, um, celebrated beverage. But then we talk about the complexities of blends, and so we've got both sides of, of the uh, aisle here. But I happen to have two fantastic, um, and I haven't had Old Pultani in a long time, but Spayburn is one of those uh, great introductory single malts because I think the price is very uh, uh, friendly for the pocketbook. Steph, let's talk about the two uh, scotches you, we have today. Well, you know, you have you have sitting before you arguably two of the most respected single malts in the world. And I would actually say that if they weren't paying my mortgage, <laughs> uh, because <laughs> I'm actually I, I'm one of those lucky people that managed to turn a passion into a paycheck like yourself. Huge fan of whiskey in general, particularly scotch. Um, you know, I mean, we could you know, there's something to be said all day long. And we're going to talk about single malts or blends and complexity. But for the ones that you have at hand. Uh, just, I think we're going to start with that Spayburn. Um, we, we hail from smack dab in the heart of the Speyside. So everything that you've come to know and love about <clears throat> Speyside characteristics in whiskey, um, that brightness, that grassiness, that citrus fruit, that floral, it's all encapsulated in that bottle of Spayburn 10-year-old. And, you know, you touched on the fact that it is very, very, very attractive from a price standpoint to the consumer. Um, that, that, along with its approachability and flavor, makes it exactly like you said, an absolutely spectacular entry level into the world of single malt scotch whiskey, especially for people that might be laboring under the misperception that all scotch is smoky. This could right. be, the favor couldn't be further from the truth. So when I hear somebody tell me, they don't like scotch. I generally assume that they probably snagged a <laughs> bottle of Isla whiskey from their parents' liquor cabinet when they were oh about my God. 15. No, it was 12, and it was Laphroaig 10, and that's what I drank, and I never had scotch till about um, till my friend uh, um, turned me on to a rusty nail. And yeah. interesting, Speyside Space <laughs> is far away from Isla. Speyside is in the northern part of uh, Scotland, so it's definitely a different yeah. terroir. 110% different. I mean, we, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just not of the same uh, caliber. Um, but, yeah, that, that's Speyburn. And, and just for fun facts, you know, when people say I've never heard of it, I, I kind of want to push back a little and say you've never heard of it because you never thought about it. But actually, <laughs> over 50, over, I think it's almost 60% of the Spayburn sold in the world is sold in the United States of America. We're sure. top 10 by volume single malt. So it is a beloved whiskey. Um, I just think that, you know, it's, it's now that we have me to cheer about it with <laughs> yourself. Yeah, go team. the gospel. Well, you know, it's interesting. I know Bernie Sanders had that popular bumper sticker, Feel the Burn. Perhaps Spayburn could take over. <laughs> Oh, uh, you're, you're tap dancing into very scary territory. Uh, all right, um, <laughs> I, so, I wear a no. I wear a no politics. I'm all about the politics of whiskey. There we go, uh, which uh, works with ice or not ice, or a wee bit of water, or uh, to, to add water or to not to add water. Let's talk about a cocktail because I know we, it's easy to enjoy Spayburn. In fact, I'm enjoying it right now in my glass, and it is citrusy. It has a hint of grass. It's very smooth on the palate. It's light. It's um, it's really a darling kind of single malt spirit. It is, that's a really good description. I'm going to steal that from you, Christopher, for my next uh, education event. Right. It's a darling kind of spirit. Um, but, you know, one of the easiest, I think there's two really approachable cocktails that 
you know, once you invest that 30, 25, $30 in that bottle and you bring it home um, and say you're having some guests, especially around the holidays, as you know, we're coming up now, it is the season to be thinking about entertaining. Um, you know, you can really go, that, that bottle is really going to earn its, its keep on your, on your uh, home holiday bar. Uh, you can start with something ridiculously easy, and that is to take, you know, we've all, when I grew up, my grandmother used to drink whiskey and ginger, and we called that a highball. Like, that was the name we had for it. So I spent the majority of my life thinking that highball was whiskey and ginger. But when I get my hands on some really, really high-quality ginger ale, let's say it's London Essence, let's say it's Fenimans, let's say it's Mm -hmm. Fever Tree, and I do a healthy pour of the whiskey, because you want that whiskey to stand up. So at least a two-ounce pour into (laughs) a tall highball glass and garnish it with a Luxardo cherry. And I'm very Uh specific about my brand. So if the folks at Luxardo are listening, this one's on me. They're stunning. I can eat the whole jar. They're not inexpensive. But it just and it just sparkles and it's effervescent and that ginger really just picks up some of the citrus notes in the whiskey and it just looks real pretty in the glass. I bet. And um, you're making I me know. make. I, I need a straw right away. I want to put it in that uh, little picture you painted. And I mean that's just such a nice a, a nice easy you know it, it can be accomplished very easy and that way as 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 a home entertainer you're not you're not detracted from your guests. Right. You know, you give them something. And, you know, the ginger ale, you know, something we also have to think about, you know, when we are consuming alcohol, it kind of it kind of cuts that. So this is a cocktail that people can enjoy one or two of, maybe even three, given the course of the evening and still, you know, feel like they're uh, acting in a a somewhat responsible manner. (laughs) No lampshade yet. Uh, Interesting, too, because I think when we think about describing single malt scotches and and as a noser, I would probably use some things like dried apricot and or ginger Mm -hmm. comes up with those spicy uh, Mm -hmm. notes, whether it's from sherry cask, etc. You have another whiskey here. It's Old Pultini, right? It's actually pronounced Old Pultini. Pultini. We're very frugal in Scotland, so we, sh- we, we didn't want to waste the vowels, even though we're there, <laughs> kind of all stuck together. Old Pultney. Tell me about this whiskey. Now, this, and, and I will say, again, I was a drinker of this long, long before, and I've been, I've been with this organization now for two years. So even in a prior life, when I was working on other brands, Old Pultney always had a spot in my liquor ca- in my home liquor cabinet. Um, we sit at the very, very northern coast of the Scottish mainland. Like if you walk out of our distillery door and you walk three city blocks, and if you were to take one more step, you would fall off a cliff into the North Sea. Ooh. I mean, that's how far, yeah, how far north we are. 100 days out of the year, you've got 80-mile-an-hour winds whipping in off the coast. Yeah, Holy it's smokes. crazy. So we literally are hanging on for dear life on the side of a cliff at the end of the world, uh, making <laughs> this just absolutely stunning, rich, viscous, sticky, caramel, sea-salted caramel, single malt. Um, and that sea atmosphere affects everything that we do. You know, our casks, 25,000 of them at any given time, are aging in warehouses, stone warehouses, in that soaked atmosphere and as wood is a living breathing thing when it comes to aging whiskey the sea is going to affect the wood whatever affects the wood will ultimately affect the liquid inside of it so every drop of old Pultney 
shows you the sea in some form or fashion. I'm digging and it. As I said, I know that's that old Pulteney Twelve to me. It's just like a sea salted caramel. That's a good descriptor and, for it. Yeah, it's and it's viscous and it's a rich whiskey. Um, I it's, think it's bottled at 40 ABV. I think the yep, the one you have in front of you, which is uh, you know, I think the finish on that particular whiskey goes on far past what you would think a 40 ABV single malt would do. It sticks with you, and it's, it's true. Just a, Testament to our maker, our master distiller, Malcolm Waring. Wow! Um, yeah, Definitely, it, just, that uh, that finish is long, and it's um, it's sprightly. It has um, some some just some energy on the finish. It, it lasts, but it's not like um, it's not like a bad flavor. It, it really keeps it going, like tingling your tongue. And mm-hmm. um, we're going to take a break here in just a moment. But when we come back, I want you to tell me about a great cocktail for Old Pulteney. <laughs> okay. And then we're going to try something unique, which is uh, actually being created more and more in Scotland, is a, a gin, a small batch Scottish gin called Karoon. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that because you, I mean, Scotland has a wealth of flora um, growing everywhere, whether it's heather and flowers and, of course, you know, peat. Um, but there's a lot of flavor coming out of that um, in a little corner of the earth. and. Folks, I have Steph Ridgway, who is the ambassador of education for, well, all things spirituous. <laughs> and we're talking about Spayburn and Old Pulteney. Um, hey, folks, stick around. we got right lots more coming up on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. The Commute with Carlson, live and local, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. Now more KVI Want to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Hey, folks, welcome back to round four. I've got Steph Ridgway, the ambassador of education for some really cool spirits, Old Pulteney and uh, Spayburn, Single Malt, and uh, the Kowloon Scottish Gin. And, Steph, we were uh, talking about Old Pulteney and how it's rich and viscous and, and lively. It has a great long finish, and it's complex. Um, what kind of cocktail might you make with this particular spirit, Old Pulteney? We are teed straight up to walk into Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, all of these you know, cold-weather holidays. One of my most favorite things to do with that whiskey is to brew myself a delicious cup, and this is my personal preference, of red rooibos tea. Oh, from, from South Africa. Yes, so, so, which if for anybody that is like a, like a bit of a tea head, which I learned all my tea facts from my sister because she loves tea. But this that takes on sort of like a milky, creamy rooibos, yes. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, a nice healthy pour, one and a half to two ounces of the Old Pulteney Single Malt into a cup of red rooibos tea with um, to taste, but I would say at least at least a tablespoon of quality honey. I prefer heather honey that oh, I get yeah. from Scotland, but okay. if you can't get your hands on heather honey, <laughs> lavender honey will work mm. just as well. A slight squeeze of lemon and then a swirl with a cinnamon stick. Wow. Absolutely fabulous. And I'll tell you what, anybody that ever has, in addition to tasting delicious, for anybody that's ever suffered a head cold, there, you'll never need to invest another dime in NyQuil again. <laughs> a couple of shots and you'll be knocked out. Uh, but the beauty of that is that's, that's a cocktail that can be savored. Yes. Know, in a mug, it's warm, you're sitting around a fire, you're sitting around with friends, you know, you're reading a good book, you're listening to music. It's a cocktail that can be savored. 
I find that, you know, just slowing down and, uh, you know, it's dark here these days. We have daylight savings time up here in Seattle, which I really like because it's, it's early, it's bright in the morning. But come home at night and to find something warm and just delicious and comforting and to, you know, driving at night these days with the rain and the gray and, the, you know, just the rush and bustle, it just can be very stressful. And I think that sounds like a fantastic way to relax and enjoy a fine spirit. It is. I mean, and there's so many ways. I mean, I think whiskey or even cocktails or any, I mean, it's situational, but you just described the perfect end to, you know, what may or may not have been a little bit of a rough day, the weather, <laughs> the cold, the dark. No, but it is. And your guests will enjoy it too. I think the cocktails for this one and the Spaber, and it's also a really great way to engage people with single malt that might say, you know, I'm not a single malt fan a nice way to enter into the world. I agree. Um, what's a website people can find some more information or recipes or, you know, just the line of products? And um, Oldpultney.com. Okay. So that's O-L-D-P-U-L-T-E-N-E-Y.com. Fantastic. And uh, Spayburn.com. And Spayburn.com. That's a good one. So uh, mm-hmm. if you are into gin, uh, I just poured a little a half a dram of the Scottish gin Caroon. Tell me about this. I, I first of all, kudos to you. If I was there, I'd high five you for correctly pronouncing that. That's amazing. Um, Karoon, very special, very unique gin, very, very popular in Scotland. Uh, we're distilled or we're produced in the Speyside at a working whiskey distillery, Balmenic, uh, which hmm. you know, we're one of a handful of gins that are being produced at, at working whiskey distilleries. Um, but really, what makes this gin so incredible and special? is the um, mixture of botanicals that our gin master, Simon Buell, uses to produce it. Uh, we only use 11 botanicals entirely. Uh, six of them are classic, so, you know, I could rattle those off, but you've got your lemon and your juniper, clearly, because sure. we are a London dry. But it's the five Celtic botanicals that Simon literally goes out on the distillery grounds and forages for by hand yeah. to produce these. So. Um, he is picking Scottish heather, which lends a very floral quality to our gin. He is picking dandelion, uh, dandelion root and bog myrtle, which ends, they, and like a spicy, savory, you know, kind of helps like round out or give a little bit of edge to the floral note. But the two that I think really separate us from the pack are the cool blush apples. And they're mm. apples that are indigenous to the Scottish Highlands. Wow. There is no, that, they don't grow over here. But if you were to, if you're into apples, um, I think the closest thing would be like a pink lady. Sure. In terms of tartness, crispness, sweetness. Um, so with this cool blush apple is a botanical. But then there's the rowan berry. R O W A N, rowan berry. Um, which, in fact, it's a savory berry that you could cook to make, say, chutneys. You could make jam out of it. Um, but the rowan berry is, in fact, the heart of our gin. And Karoon. The word, our name, is Celtic for rowan berry. How so about that? So we named our gin for the berry. And uh, I think you're looking at that really cool bottle, and you see that red star yes. on the front of it. If you were to cut a rowan berry in half, that's what the heart of the rowan berry looks like. Oh, how so about it's really that? a testament. But, yeah, the fact that you know we're only utilizing 11 botanicals, but five of them were out there. And I, I, I can attest to this because I've, I've worked at the in, in the gin production with Simon that – Like, I was tasked with foraging for botanicals. (laughs) Hey, Steph. I was afraid of snakes. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Hey, it's delicious. It's Karoon. What's the website? Uh, Karoon.com. Awesome. Steph Ridgeway, Ambassador Education. Thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Oh, thank you. Hey, like I said, I'm up for happy hour anytime, Christopher.
Cheers. Cheers.